0: Environment, the aggregate of surrounding things, conditions, or influences, surroundings, milieu, the social and cultural forces that shape the life of a person or a population. Hey folks, welcome to another episode of Another Way. I think this is episode 20. I should know off the top of my head, but I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm just so, um, I was going to say busy, (laughs) but really I'm just scatterbrained because I'm busy. Yeah. That's, that's, that's why that sounds good. Right. (sighs) Took last week off. I apologize for those of you who listen loyally. I hope, I hope you exist. (laughs) It's hard to tell just from, um, the numbers I see on the the site's uh, analytics thing of a bobber. You can always tweet me, and then I'll definitely know. At that KJ Bell. Although I read a thing recently that said you're not supposed to ask for that. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, it's been it's been crazy. It's been a crazy couple of weeks, but I just wrapped up the craziness, so now I have I have so much time. It's, it's weird in this transition, transis, transitory phase, this place of transition. I can't English. This is a bad idea. (laughs) But I realized, um, the other day that I have a, I have a performance next week and then I don't have anything to practice music for, like on my calendar at all after that. It's weird. That hasn't happened to me in over a decade. There's always been something to practice for, whether it's been some sort of audition or something. And I just, I, it's, it's very, it's freaking me out a little bit. It's like, what do you mean I can practice whatever I want? <laughs> I don't have to prepare for Symphony in the Fall, and I don't have to prepare for, I don't have to prepare for anything. At the moment, except except you know, finding a a, a place to live <laughs> and a job of some sort, but that's that's uh, I guess it's actually fitting because today's episode is about environment. <laughs> so let's just jump into it. Uh, when I say environment, and i I say that word differently sometimes. Sometimes I say environment, and other times I just say environment. It's funny. So I'm I'm sure I'll be going back and forth between those through the entire run of the podcast. So when I talk about either way I pronounce that word, um, we're talking about two different senses of it today. So there's, first of all, your physical environment. There's the space that you occupy. And then there's what you're surrounded by. Or more importantly, who you're surrounded by, so that'll be the second half but first let's talk about your physical surroundings your physical surroundings uh we've talked I've talked a little bit about it in fact in the in the last episode on travel, I mentioned it about how there's always that thing of it's nice to have your own um, dedicated space for your practicing of your of your work, and it's good to get out of the house and go um other places too. You know, there's a coffee shop downtown that I really enjoy. Uh, I spent about four hours there the other day and they, they give me free refills on tea. It's very nice. I like that because I don't drink coffee. That's the funny thing. I love coffee shops, but I don't drink coffee. Um, <laughs> so we've talked about that and how consistency is important um, and how people watching is, very, is a very good thing to do for any sort of creative endeavor, I think, because you see different stories and you see different um, perspectives. You know, I I revisited the different episode because I'm trying to catch up with the video work on the YouTube uh, channel, which you can check out and go subscribe to, hopefully. Um, But I revisited that episode the other day, and and it's just interesting to go back and look at that and see... um, how much of, how how these themes keep coming up of just finding a different perspective and people watching is a very good way to do that if if you can just l- there there's a certain thing about just looking at somebody that's different from you and just imagining what their life can be what their life must be like you know i make up stories about people that i see on the street all the time it's a very good exercise for writers especially but uh We're going to go a little bit deeper, deeper into the space thing today. So first off, just the energy of a place is very important. You know, I I feel a distinct difference between writing at my desk and writing at my kitchen table. And, you know, they're 20 feet from each other. I don't know. They're very close. They're a room away. But there's a very different energy there. You know, because the desk is the desk, and the kitchen table is more often than not piled high with a bunch of uh, crap. That because you know it's it's one of the first surfaces in my apartment, so it's sort of the catch-all surface. But when I do write there, it's it it's interesting just to see how it changes the writing and the chair that you sit in. I because that those chairs are completely different from my desk chair, and just your posture can can do. So much. Uh, you know, you hear... Um, I watched an interview with Maggie Smith the other day on the YouTube, and I worship her. But it's a it's a very... She said something that I've heard from a bunch of actors, that she talked about how much the wardrobe helps you find the character. And how you get in the different clothes and you just feel different. And I, th- I think the same occurs with... Um, our writing spaces and our chairs. You know, if you sit in a super comfortable chair, you, you're you more likely to fall asleep, as I figured out. I tried writing on the couch this weekend, and that never goes well. I, I never, it never goes well. And I always think, well, I'll just sit here and I'll just, I'll watch some Netflix and I'll, I'll have some Netflix on in the background and I'll just write for a little while. And it always leads to a nap. Without fail, always leads to a nap. And, you know, people talk about, oh, yeah, just take a nice 20-minute nap. You read articles all the time about just take a nice half hour or a 20-minute nap. Those don't exist. Sorry, I tangented into a... (laughs) It's true, though. Anyway, so there's tap into the energy of a place. I love writing in libraries. There's just something about being surrounded by thousands of books, hundreds of books, thousands of books. If I could find a bigger library, I would. But there's just, oh, it's wonderful. And I, I find there's a similar sort of energy in um, places like concert halls or even in church sanctuary, sanctu- sanctuaries. Um, I like to sit in a church sanctuary and write alone if I can get into one, which I, you know, I'm still the music director of a church for another couple of weeks, so I still have the option. Um, but they they all have their own very unique energy to them. And going back to the the idea of writing in libraries or or art galleries, you know, just somewhere where you're surrounded by creations, it's Good to create in those spaces, I think, because you kind of absorb some of the creative energy that went into the creations that you're amongst, you know, which I think is always a good thing. The, and going back to the concert hall idea, there is there are very I, I love sitting in an empty theater or an empty concert hall. Or even an empty church sanctuary, because it's a similar sort of idea, they have such a potential energy to them. You know that physics thing of there's potential and kinetic energy. I just there's there's a certain uh, creative potential energy that is in an empty hall with a with a stage that's blank and there's no people in the audience. They are some of my favorite places in the world because they they just the air feels different because it it it's that energy to it. And I love writing in those places because you can tap into that. And it's just beautiful. I have to do an entire episode on energy one of these days. I just decided. <laughs> pause while I write that down. We oh, don't have to pause. I'll just write it right here on my desk. I'll just instead of pausing, I'll just tell you what I'm doing. I'll just narrate what I'm doing because that's good radio. That's what we call sarcasm, people, in case you didn't pick up on that. Anyway, <laughs> so finding spaces where you can tap into the energy is very important. And it has to be the right kind of energy because there are some places where there's too much energy and you won't get any good writing done. I, I mean, you just think about certain restaurants. And there are some places that are just so chaotic that you just, you can't, create there the same way that you could if you were at a slightly less chaotic place there's a there's a restaurant in town that is always packed like there's always a line out the door especially this time of year and it's the food is all right but I hate going there because you cannot it is impossible to have a conversation because it's all echoey and there's so many people and it's impossible to have a conversation there there's no way I could take my notebook there and write and get anything good done so it's, it's that sort of an idea. You have to think about the energy of a place. Even, even the same place, one of the, one of the restaurants I enjoy going to and sitting and writing for a long time, at its, at its peak, it's sort of like that place I just talked about a second ago where it's, it's so busy and you, it's hard to concentrate. That's why I go during the off hours where it's, it's perfect. So it's not always about just the space itself. Sometimes it's about what's filling the space which will connect to the second half of the episode. You see how I did that? It's like, I planned that. Although that particular part was not planned. Um. (laughs) And again, having a dedicated space, like we sort of talked about on the travel episode, is a very um, good thing to do. You know, there's, there's a passage. I haven't mentioned this book in several weeks, and so it's time again. There's a passage in Writing Down the Bones where she mentions um, a write, her, her very first dedicated writing space that she rented, like paid money for. And I think um, that's a good thing to do because it shows your level of commitment. And it doesn't have to be like, like, you don't have to go out and rent an entire office space, a room in somebody else's house, a basement, an attic. As long as there's like a surface that you can write on or an easel that you can paint on, or a piano, or whatever. You know, that's, that's um, the key there. But the thing I like about having a space that is separate from your home is that there is a clear delineation. You know, the problem I have is that my main writing space is 20 feet from my bed. It's very hard to separate the work from the personal in that case. I mean if you think about a job if you for most jobs you go to the place and you do the job and you go home and there's that clear distinction of quitting time I have a hard time understanding what that's like because I'm a teacher <laughs> and my work always comes home with me in some way shape or form um but there's something to be said about the idea of you know the old time card punch out clock in and clock out clock out sort of idea because it does allow you some sanity i think and so you can get that if you have your if you have a separate area and it doesn't have to be fancy like i said just a space somewhere and the paying for it thing shows your dedication but it isn't necessary in fact i would say it's not even like on the list of things to do it's way down there. Um. Yeah, but <laughs> and here's here's one of those moments where I'm gonna flip around because the entire point of all of that, you you just it it comes back to this: just do the thing. You don't need a fancy, dedicated writing studio. You don't need. You don't even need a separate desk. Okay, you can do this anywhere. You can do this on a corner of the kitchen counter, if that's all that you can carve out right now. Just do it. Just do the thing. That's the most important part. All that other stuff I talked about for the past ten minutes or so, that's very nice. But you just have to do it. Really. So this podcast is brought to you by Great Grand Projects, a creative collective of uh, creative people. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, maybe I should write my own copy so that I don't have those brain issues. Podcast is also brought to you by Horizon Creative Studios on the web at horizoncreative.com. It's currently, I'm revamping the site a bit. I decided I didn't really like the layout and I wanted to add a uh, blog so stay tuned for a revamped horizon dot com you can still go there and check out the podcast so yeah here we go environment part two part 2 We talked about the physical space. Now we're going to talk about what can fill that. We're going to talk about who you surround yourself with. And a lot of this I am blatantly stealing from a chapter in uh, The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. Because it is very important. You know, I talked about energy a lot with, with the physical space. But another person's energy is super important as well you know it it's um there's that there's that thing that i've i've heard from several different sources that it's this idea that you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time with and on the one hand i really don't like that but on the other i think it makes a whole lot of sense because i mean just think about it i you are different people depending on who you're around all of us. There are some people who take that to an extreme, and are drastically different. To a fault, I know a lot of people like that who are just incredibly different. Like, have you ever heard this phrase? Oh, he's really great one on one, but when he's with a gr- when he's with these people, he's awful. Yeah, that's that's sort of the extreme case of what I'm talking about. But I th- we all do it to a certain extent. I mean, there are things that I can say. I, I'm way different around my best friend than I am around my parents, for example. And that's not a good thing, or a, that's it's not no good, bad, right, wrong. I had a therapist who used to say that all the time, and I, I every time I hated her when she would say it. That was like the only thing that I hated about our sessions was that phrase no good, bad, right, wrong. Oh, I hated it. She was fantastic, except for that one little thing. <laughs> anyway, talking about the people you surround yourself with, the energy is important because I mean there are people who just you know these people that just suck the energy out of you so there's a there's um one phrase I like from the artist's way she labels people crazy makers. And crazy makers are the people who like drama and like being the center of the tension. Center of tension? Is that what I just said? The center of attention. And so we all have these people in our lives that like the drama, that need the attention of everything. And this is in a part of the book where she's talking about um how how we block how we can artistically block ourselves and it's toward the beginning and she's talking about how you figure out how to unblock yourself and in the same section where she talks about crazy makers she talks about how there are people in your lives who are blocked themselves creatively and will then be jealous and try to sabotage you and i've been that person to a certain extent you know i've, I've talked a lot about um i don't know if i've talked a lot but i i I'm pretty sure I've mentioned at one point that there was a guy I went to college with who talked about being a composer and I was, every time he would say it, I would just had this running internal dialogue of, who does he think he is to call himself that? Like, and it was just purely because I didn't feel comfortable calling myself one, even though I really wanted to. Um, And that's, you know, that's the entire point of this, of this sort of podcast idea is to help Rid yourself of those things. But there are people who, when you start to do this sort of work, will rebel against you and won't like it because it threatens their ideas of themselves. She calls those poisonous playmates. But back to crazy makers. Here's the thing that I find so terrifying about crazy makers. They can be those blocked people or they can be totally in touch with themselves artistically. One one passage in this, she talks about how um, some of the, the biggest crazy makers she's known have been very successful artists. And here's what terrifies me. I think that crazy making can be born out of success a little bit. I think that um, it doesn't necessarily happen. I think it's like certain things that... Uh, I read a book once. That talked about things like depression and um, other things that have a genetic component to them but um, just because you have the genetic component does not mean that you have the thing like I know that my depression has a genetic component but I think it's that there have been triggering events that have kind of Brought, that bring it up from time to time. You know, it's that sort of thing. And I think that the crazy-making is very similar. I think that there are people who have the tendencies. I'm going to raise my hand right now and say that I'm one of them. But it might lay completely dormant unless a certain event triggers it. So I, I think that success can do that. I think that success, success, success can turn you into a crazy-maker. But... Before you even get to that, you have to kind of look around and see who the crazy makers are in your lives. And they are the people who will um discount you and make you feel like the crazy one. We all know somebody like this. <sighs> yeah, they they'll uh that's that's a that's a dangerous one. <laughs> and it, you, you know those people that like your your schedule doesn't matter, but theirs does. Like they'll show up 20 minutes early somewhere and expect you to wait on them hand and foot. But if you're a a minute late, they're like looking at their watch, that sort of thing. So there's both of those kinds of people who will affect things negatively. Then, you know, there's, I talked a little bit about um, some people call them energy vampires that just kind of suck the energy out of you. It's very important to identify those people and i'm not saying you have to cut them out of your lives but identification is is half the battle if you just know that um your friend christopher i don't know why that name came to mind but it did so let's say your friend christopher is a crazy maker as long as you identify that behavior you can it, you can take some of the power out of that and he won't make you as crazy theoretically you don't even have to say anything to christopher you don't have to go hey christopher you're being crazy although you could if that's the relationship that you have maybe you could maybe you could stop him from being a crazy maker but more likely not it's just about doing what you need to do so and evaluating maybe you do need to cut christopher out of your life maybe he's that much of a of a of a bad seed and let's and then there's Jan, who's that blocked, jealous, poisonous playmate type person. Is she getting it down? like does she refuse to come up? I feel like I'm saying an infomercial now. Does your friend Jan refuse to come up with you? Does she insist on hanging on to her old ways? Well, for three easy payments of nineteen ninety five um <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know what that was anyway, um. Like I said, you don't necessarily have to cut these people out of your lives. It might be a thing to consider. You just have to see how bad it is. And here's the problem with figuring out who you can trust and who you can't. Sometimes you don't know until they've broken that trust. And I'm pretty sure I've told a story about that before, so I'm not going to repeat it right now. Let's go to a happier end of the spectrum, shall we? Let's talk about the supportive people in your lives. Surrounding yourself with supportive people. There's, um, you know, one of my favorite podcasts is uh, RuPaul. What's What's the tea with Michelle Visage? And there's a very early episode where they talk about, I think there's five kinds, and I should have looked it up before I recorded this episode, but uh, wouldn't want you thinking that I'm too prepared. They, they talk about like the five sort of people that you, five sort of friends that you need. And um, one of them was either you need, you need your oldest friend, you need a childhood friend, you need a friend that's always got your back, you need a cheerleader, you need, it's stuff like that. The thing that I always look for in my supportive people, are they going to be honest with me or not? Because I don't want people around me who are just going to tell me yes to agree with me. You know, I want people who are going to tell me the truth. And that's not to say that they go, oh, I hated that. That was awful. But maybe they go, it's not as good as it could be. Let's do it this way. You know, being honest does not mean being hurtful. Being honest doesn't even mean being harsh a lot of the time. And it, it comes down to knowing, like I said, it comes down to knowing how you can deal with these people. But it it's the same. What am I trying to say here? It goes both ways. Like if you just think of, of some of the the times that you've tried to support people, there are people who can take constructive criticism and there are people who can't. And there are some people who you have to wrap up the criticism in something um, good, like when you're giving medication to a dog, you have to put the pill in a bunch of peanut butter. <laughs> so you need somebody who's going to be honest with you, even if they're putting the honesty in peanut butter for you, and you can acknowledge that, and that's something. That's just something else to work on. I I say you always you want cheerleaders, but you don't want yes men. You want people who are going to support you. You want people who are going to tell you to go for it and that you have the potential and you have the ideas. And maybe they help you, maybe they don't. You know, maybe maybe their help is just, yes, go for it. Maybe you don't even give them anything to read or anything to listen to or look at or whatever you're working on. The encouragement is good as long as it is grounded in reality. And the same goes for criticism. You know, if you, if there are people who are criticizing you super harshly, you got to take that with a grain of salt too because they could be those crazy makers or those poisonous people, you know? But I almost think that the um the yes men are worse. The pe- people who tell you, "Oh my God, you're so good!" Yes, Gaga. <laughs> like if that's their constant dialogue, there's just there's just something so fake about it. You want authenticity. Like I said, you want people who are going to be honest with you, but not necessarily harsh. And finally, mentors. You know, you hear you hear a lot about mentoring. And uh, I just came to this conclusion fairly recently. There's there's a person in my life who I um, consider to be one of my biggest mentors. And I was doing some writing the other day, and I realized that I think that this transition I'm about to go through, this move I'm about to make, is um, one of the best things that I could do. Because I think I've been using that mentor as a crutch. I've learned a lot from this person. I've learned so much from this person. And they have shaped who I am in some very, very significant ways. But I think there comes a time when you need to move on. And I think that sometimes we're hesitant to move on from a mentor through because of loyalty. We don't want to... Either we, we, we're scared to go out on our own or there's that sense of we don't want to leave them. We don't want to abandon them because they, we feel like that's um, ungrateful. It's it's very similar to child-parent relationships that can be strained, I think. And um, we can't allow that to hold us back. And the best mentors will agree you know, and I think it's it's good to find colleagues, peers that can be mentor esque. You know, I think we always want to look for mentors, but I think peers are almost more important. It's that thing of your are the sum of the five people you are around the most, or interact with the most is probably a better way to phrase that. So, just look at your surroundings, your physical surroundings, your uh, people, Larry surroundings, your population surroundings. Look at your territory (laughs) and just see what. uh, Just notice it, first off. Just notice it. (laughs) So, that's environment this week. This was a long one in terms of late the past few episodes. I like it. I like the half hour idea. Anyway, um so like I said, I'm making some uh tweaks to the site. So that'll be up and running. Look out for that. Um subscribe to the podcast. Follow me on the Twitter and the Instagram and uh the Tumblr. I I'm, I'm that KJ Bell on everything. Um except Facebook. I don't have the Facebook Huh. Maybe I should do that. I don't know. I'm bad at this whole marketing thing. (laughs) So, um, and check out the YouTube channel. I'll put a link, maybe, if I remember. Hopefully I do. Future me, remember. (laughs) All right. See you next Tuesday, everybody. Oh, I forgot. It's okay to be an artist. It's okay to create. It's okay to be exactly as you are right now. It is okay. You are okay. And I'm okay. Now I'll see you next Tuesday.